Take off those heavy bands and lift up those holy hands and let all God's people praise the Lord. Oh, now praise the Lord and praise the Lord and let all God's people heavy bands and lift up those holy hands oh now let all God's people praise the Lord one more time oh now just praise the Lord praise the Lord let all God's people praise the Lord up those holy hands, let all God's people praise the Lord. Shake off those heavy bands. Now just shake off those heavy bands, lift up those holy hands, let all God's people praise the Lord. Put it in the key of C. Let's sing that song if the same spirit. Now if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, dwell in you, and if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, dwell in you. Shall quicken your mortal body if that spirit dwell in you. It shall quicken your mortal body if that spirit dwell in you. And if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you. Quicken your mortal body 
immortal body if that spirit dwell in you it shall quicken your mortal body if that spirit dwell in you amen let's put it in F let's sing that song uh, I've got a river of life I've got a river of life flowing out from me. It makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. It opens prison doors, sets the captives free. And I've got a river of life flowing out from me. Spring up for well, live in my soul. Spring up for here before we take our prayer requests before the Lord. Oh, as the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. You alone are my heart's desire and I Right. 
that the ushers would be ready to come forward as well so we can take up tithes and offering. And uh, I'll have Brother Jaron, if I could, come up and pray for these. We just want to remember uh, Brother Troy Hughes, who is still dealing with uh, some heart issues. So if we could just remember him. Also, we just want to remember Brother Andy Irish's father. I uh, have a prayer request him for him here. And um, I also have here that uh, Brother Keith, my dad, is away working. So if you could just uh, continue to remember him during the week as he travels, that the Lord would just be with him. And just continue to remember Brother Danny Florian as he goes through his recovery. And also I have here that uh, Sister Tracy Rabin is traveling in Virginia. So if we could just remember her for safe travels. And also uh, Sister Amber, my aunt, is uh, she has an unspoken prayer request for a need happening tomorrow. So if we could just remember her. And um, as many of you saw in Brother Barry's email update today, uh, my grandmother, uh, Sister Sue Shepherd, over the weekend, she wound up in the hospital very sick. Thankfully, she is doing better, so we praise the Lord for that. Um, she's at home resting, but she still needs uh, a touch from the Lord. So if you could just continue to remember her in prayer. And that is all the prayer requests I have here. 
And uh, I know we all have unspoken prayer requests, so just by the lifting of your hands, I know we all have them. So if I could have Jaron come, and if you would stand, and ushers, you can go ahead and come on forward as well. Amen. Let us join together in prayer as we bow our heads. Gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, we lift our hearts to you and praise and worship God. Lord, would you move upon the scene in this hour, God, and Lord, take control of the situations, Lord. I lay my hands upon this paper, Lord, with all the requests before me, God. Mentioned, Lord, we pray for Brother Troy and uh, his condition, Lord, he's dealing with. I ask that you would touch him, Lord God. Father, we pray for Brother Andy Irish family, Lord. I pray for his father, God, that you would give them a touch. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would, Lord, bless those that are traveling, that are away from our assembly, Lord God. We think of uh, Sister Tracy and uh, Brother Keith, Father, as they're traveling. I ask that you would bring them back to our assembly, Lord, and any others, Lord. Father, I pray for uh, Sister Shepherd, Lord, that you would just touch her body, Lord, as she's recovering, Father. And Sister Amber, we think of her as well, Lord. God, I pray that you would just touch them. Lord, I pray that you would just heal them. Lord, and I ask that you would just touch our hearts tonight, Lord, as we prepare our hearts to hear your word, Lord. I pray that you would just speak a word, Lord, that would change the scene, Father. Lord, change our hearts, Lord, and create within us a new spirit, Lord God. Father, I pray for the the uh, the offering tonight, Lord, that you would just bless it, Lord, and I pray that you would bless those that can give, Lord Jesus, and those that may not, Lord. Lord, I pray we would receive a blessing, Lord, and let your let your offerings, Lord, be used to spread your gospel and your kingdom, Lord Jesus. Bless the ministry tonight, for we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Jaron. Let's put it in the key of G as the ushers make their way back, and uh, you may have your seats as they go by. Let's sing that song, I Come to the Garden Alone. I come to the garden alone While the dew is still on the roses And the voice I
you would just stand with me at this time. Let's sing that song, Surely Goodness, or Surely the Presence of the Lord is in this place. And just a quick announcement before Brother Barry comes as you play that softly. Uh, I would like to meet with the youth that is going to the October camp, Brother Jason Watkins' camp, just uh, real quick after church. So if I could just meet with you guys just really quick. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel His mighty have your way and let's just bring uh, our request before him tonight um, we want to remember the Kennedy family that's the family that lost a little boy 11 years old uh, in the RV accident the four-wheeler accident and uh, sure want to hold him up in prayers it's been a very very difficult thing for them and uh, brother John is up there with the family tonight and uh, we'd like to remember them in prayer we're going to give them by the way um, I often do this uh, family if somebody loses uh, a mother, but I thought it might be nice. So we're going to supply a couple of real nice rose bushes for them. They're doing their own grave site uh, up on their property, and we thought we'd uh, give them uh, 
uh, some real nice rose bushes that they can put in there and let them grow and be there as a little memorial to them. And the family was very thankful for that. So we're going to do that on behalf of the church uh, for them. But uh, if you don't mind, remember them. I've never met them. I know some of you have, and uh, the Cockmans knew them uh, very well. So we want to remember them in prayer uh, tonight. Also as well, in the men's meeting, we prayed for Frank McComas's mother, and she had a, a stroke and had some serious complications. She's home now and just receiving home care. And Frank said, just another miracle we can thank God for. She had been in prayer lines with Brother Branham uh, for different health issues and uh, was healed every time, a woman of great faith and great strength. And so Brother Frank was very thankful uh, for our prayers. Have your way, have your way, Holy Spirit, fill our hearts and have your way. Just sing it in praise now to Him, make it your prayer tonight. As we pray, Lord, hear our prayer tonight. And as we pray, thank you, Jesus. Just speak your word into our hearts and have your way. tonight just hold it there lord jesus we pray in faith tonight believing lord that you hear even the simplest cry of the youngest among us lord we believe that there's nothing that we can hide from you and our requests and our burdens and our petitions lord the problems we face the difficulties and the urgencies of life we believe lord they'll never end as long as we're in these bodies but lord you're greater than all of these needs and we are, we are so thankful that we can always come and, Lord, deposit these at your feet and just give them to you, Lord, believing that you do care about our struggles, that you hear our prayer. You can calm the, uh, the anxious spirit, Lord, and you can soothe the grieving heart. Lord, we pray for the Kennedy family tonight and ask, dear God, as you would be with them. And, and Lord, for those in the church that are around them, Lord, that they might speak words of comfort. And Father, we, we just have no idea what it's like, Lord, to lose a, a child like that and just in, in the coming to the prime of life. And that's just the hand of the enemy that would come and afflict a family in such a way they'll never be the same without that little boy. Lord, I pray that you would give them strength, and I pray that you would give them, Lord, just a, a real testimony of your love and your comfort during this time. Lord, I, I just ask that you would bless the rest of the children and all of the different things that they've gone through, Lord. We pray now that you would bless this service, Lord, because we never know when our last one may come. So we want to take advantage of our time in your presence. And Lord, there are many people who are not here tonight, and we're going to place them into your hands as well. Many that are streaming, and we thank you for them, Lord. We pray that your grace would extend to them as well. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And all the brides said, Amen. Uh, let's take our Bibles. Let's go right to the scripture tonight. And forgive me, but I'd like to finish this off. Most important decision of your life, the second most important decision. 
And I'd like to say this tonight. Sister Frida, happy birthday. God bless you. It's her birthday today, and uh, we appreciate Sister Frida very much. Uh, she may be not loud, but she does a lot of work in our assembly, and we appreciate Sister Frida very much and uh, does not even like me to say that. But we appreciate her very much. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Uh, we want to read just a little, a few verses there. And I love the book of Ecclesiastes. How about you? I love reading my Bible. How about you? Well, let's read it. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe unto them that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? So that's good to have two, to have somebody else. That's good for company, for safety, for uh, you know prospering. That's all good. But here's what he says in verse 12. And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not easily, quickly broken. Three is better than two. Two is better than one. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now, let me give you just a little, uh, just, uh, just a little uh, sampling what's going on in a couple of parts of the world. And I just want to show you a couple of pictures here. These are uh, brothers in Zimbabwe, and they're receiving, I think that's church age books that are there, uh, looks like. Uh, these are people who are receiving materials. The, there's a whole raft of new books that are coming to them. Uh, they're in Durban, South Africa right now, and they're on their way. I really like this. This is a, a, a group of brothers. Brother Aaron sent, uh, we, we purchased five of these units for them. These are the speaker stand and the uh, units for street preaching. So they can, uh, like a karaoke machine, and they can, uh, they can get on the street and, and witness to people. And this is the brothers. They re- just received it. They're praying over it. And, uh, uh, you know, asking God's blessing on the work that's done through it. And I think that's really neat. Uh, this is, uh, in the center here, is a brother that's known to many, many in North America. This is Brother uh, Taylor over on the, on, on, the, on the picture on the left with all the boxes. Um, brother Taylor is on the right. In the middle is Brother James Nimichi. And uh, he's very well known over, over this way, travels the world and does a really great work. And so... Uh, Brother Charles had to go over to that part of the country, so he brought over all kinds of materials for them, and they're distributing in that part of the country. So that's one of the churches that was receiving uh, some of the materials over there. But this is what's exciting. Over in Malawi, uh, now the big shipment is gone. I sent over Hoffman pictures, uh, the pictures of Brother Branham in the cloud, even though one of them's upside down. And uh, we have... Uh, over 400 uh, SD cards now that have been completed. We're going to be shipping them tomorrow uh, over there. It has everything in their language and the, and the Bible and the message and so forth. It's all on the little SD cards. And uh, they're going over uh, to Malawi. And he's visiting some of these churches here. Uh, this brother on the left, your left there, has a 1,000 people in his church. And uh, this, is in, this is in the poor, poor area of, of Malawi, and uh, he's traveling. He rented this truck. You see on the right-hand picture over here, Brother Precious, who has just been diagnosed with malaria two weeks ago, got in this truck and took off with this driver. We helped to, f- to pay for that truck 
to be rented and a driver, they load it to the brim and they take it from village to village to village through the jungles there. And he has sent me some of the recorded testimonies that, that uh, he's gathered from the pastors there. And they will say, uh, you know, we have not received books for 25 years and I have 13 churches under my ministry. And these are little groups out in the, in the bush. And uh, we have, you know, nothing to give them, no Bibles, no books, no nothing. And now uh, when they go at each place, they drop off shipments like this. And uh, he, they were capturing some of the responses of the people. And they were just so excited about uh, having new materials. It's just really, you know, I don't know about you, but I just get excited about this. And sorry, every now and then it just slips out. And I just got to tell you. But because um, I, I love the smell of ink and I love the, the smell of, uh, you know, freshly printed paper. So it's, it's just me. When I get a new Bible, I always smell it first, you know. This is, uh, these are single sermons. And I'm really excited about these uh, being done. These, this is Swahili. And they're being done for uh, the brothers in all of, uh, the believers in all of uh, Eastern Africa. And these, uh, I just got my samples today and these are all on the ship uh, going to them, so they, these are the ones that they give out to everybody 's three sermons and two sermons in that one, three sermons in that one, and uh, we print these in large quantities so they can have them and it, it's just it 's just exciting to see that happen and and uh, there 's all in comparison to what we 've done there 's a there's what 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 's coming up is a whole lot more of stuff that's that 's happening there, and uh, we 're going to be incorporating some volunteer help here pretty soon. So I just want to say in advance, young people here, we appreciate your, your efforts in advance. May God richly bless you. Because there's a lot to do, and this is a late hour. There's a lot to do. And so we, we appreciate uh, all the efforts that go into that. Now, let's, let's do this. And I, 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 I don't want to belabor the point. I, I wanted to um, say that... Um, you know, as, as we talked about before, I was just trying to clarify a few things just so that there's no ambiguity or gray areas about what we believe about this important subject. Since I've had this up here, and I'm not saying this for the wrong reason, but since I've had this up here, I've had lots of ministers who have asked me for the notes and the PowerPoints just because it, has, it encompasses a lot of key things that, that are said about this subject here. And so... Uh, it's really for youth who are at marrying ages. Number two, it is for younger people who are not there yet but need to know the language and need to know the standard so they can grow up into that standard and, Lord willing, have a revelation of that standard, not just following the standard because I tell them. It is important that you follow the standard because I tell you, but it is more important that you get a revelation of that standard because the moment you leave here, you can be talked out of the standard if you've been talked into it. The third thing is that for parents, they need to know because it's for as me and my house, we serve the Lord. Well, this is how. This is how we actually do it. And these are the, these are the uh, pillars we put up. These are the, uh, you know, the, the stones we put in place because everything is built upon and around these foundation markers. And uh, it's very important for all of us to understand that. And so that's the reason that I'm doing that. And uh, it, it's also important as well for us to understand that uh, you know, as, as Brother Branham came on the scene, he was at a junction when it came to uh, marriage, sexuality, and relationships, and all of that. Everything was at a turning point when Brother Branham arrived. And I believe that that's not by accident, because it allowed him to comment on a very important junction when things were happening. 
So from the Garden of Eden till around roughly 18, uh, 1860, 1850, somewhere around there, uh, marriage had a traditional definition that everybody abided by, and that was we sacrificed the me for the us. We sacrificed my ambitions for the relationship. The relationship mattered. We, we're under a vow when we, take a, when we enter into a, uh, a relationship with somebody. We take a vow, and that vow means we're going to work, we're going to surrender our own desires and delights and ambitions many times for the good of the relationship and allow the relationship to prosper and be blessed. And uh, that's the way it always was. In 1850 to about 1965, uh, we entered into the Victorian age, and now all of a sudden it was a lot of things were just based on love and how we felt. And uh, that's obviously an important part uh, of it. But when Brother Branham, uh, you know, came on the scene, there was a bit of a, a change from 1965 until we find we, where we find ourselves. Uh, marriage a lot is defined as an act of self-expression. And we're looking at self-expression and also personal growth uh, so that people enter into marriage because I think it's going to do me good. I'm not, as, I'm not as concerned about the relationship or the vow or uh, necessarily that person, but I'm doing it because, and this is the definition, I'm not saying everybody abides by this. Uh, believers certainly don't, but this is a trend in society that we see uh, that things have been redefined. The, let me tell you something. God doesn't like it when you redefine his definitions. When God defines something and establishes it and makes it clear, he does not like anybody redefining it. But society, especially Laodicea, is bent on uh, redefining things that uh, were very sacred to God. Family is one of them, right? Family has a brand new definition, doesn't it? Identity has a brand new definition. Marriage has a brand new definition. And I mean, there are a lot of things that are changed now that, uh, you know, that, that are not, uh, not like they were. The word absolute, uh, is redefined by society. Because really, a lot of times that absolute is what you think is best. And that's not an absolute at all. That's a slap in the face to a true absolute. And so therefore, uh, especially you parents, you, you, you who are raising kids, you have kids in school, no matter what level, you're raising kids against the tide. And, and if you don't believe that, ask guys like Joe who are in, uh, you know, even a Christian college, and there are things that are said there that are contrary to what we believe. Well, you know what? That becomes a pretty uh, significant uh, period of examination, you know, for some of you, because they're saying things that are quite contrary to the Bible, and they don't care. They don't care. So you've got to pass the test. I realize that. But you're going to have to get through those years, uh, you know, with your spiritual wits about you. Well, hopefully you've got some spiritual grounding before you get there. Because if you get in there all muddled up or you've been floating along in your parents' faith and uh, Brother Barry's enthusiasm for the message for all these years and then you realize, whoa, whoa, this is, this is, you know, these people have pretty convincing arguments and they do. They're pretty smart. They're pretty intelligent and they can be pretty convincing. You're going to need to know where you stand and hopefully you have something going into that and not trying to figure it all out when you get in there. Listen, folks, Daniel knew God before he got in the lines then. He didn't go seeking God when he got in there. Right? You need, now's the time. Today is the day. Now is the hour that you need to invest in your spiritual life and think about the things that you're going to be facing. You know you're going to be facing higher education. You know you're going to be facing a job market that's changing. And you know you're going to be questioned by people out there who don't believe like we believe. So if you're young and you're listening to me, me here today, uh, you need to understand that now's the time for you to collect all you can and assimilate all you can and say, Lord, give me a revelation of all you can. 
because I'm going to need it as I go forward. Our world is getting darker. It's shakier. It's got more twists and turns in it now than it ever has. And uh, it's really important for, uh, I think, folks to get get things straight. This is one of the basic things. This is one of the uh, early things that uh, we need to get straight. And that's why I'm spending three services on it. And then from that there on, we'll go into incognito mode. And we'll uh, we'll uh, talk about it among our, our, our youth group and our Sunday, the, the Sunday school class. All right. A couple of slides to review, and then we want to finish this off. We believe his word emphatically. Everybody believe that? Say amen. amen. You can't believe his word partially. You can't believe his word, uh, you know, just theoretically. You've got to believe his word emphatically. You've got to believe his word with all your heart. And that God is doing something right now in the midst of his people. And my job, of course, is not to tell you what to do because that's your choice. I'm not, that's not in my job description to dictate to you what you should or should not do. My job is to give you the whole counsel of God. I'm going to tell you what God's word says and I'm going to help you understand what God's words means. And then you have to make choices and I trust that you will make good choices. But I'm also here as a watchman on the walls of this church. And so I'm going to be very mindful about what is taught here, what happens here. And uh, I think that's a, a very important part of my job. And I think that uh, the alternative to that is not really very nice. Because if we didn't have a watchman, I'm not saying anything at all about our musicians. I think we have wonderful musicians. Would you agree? I think we have really gifted, blessed, and anointed musicians. I, I love our musicians, and I think they're wonderful. But in many churches, if... Uh, uh, you know, you can have somebody up there who plays like an angel but never never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He can turn that music a certain way, and it'll change the worship in the house of God. So I'm a watchman over the music. I'm a watchman over the finances. I'm a watchman over the uh, who gets to preach here and so forth. Uh, just as a pastor, that's my job. And so, therefore, I take that pretty seriously, and this is what's included in Acts chapter 20 here. And, uh, you know, it's all about, it's all about not me having a feeling that, well, I'm in control. It's all about a feeling of, Lord, I've done my very best to give the people what they need and to protect them from the enemy. Somebody ought to say amen. Please say amen. That's, I'm going to feel terrible if you don't. Because my job is to put a hedge around about this assembly and uh, to help you along the way as every bit, every best way I can. So, Brother Random is, is uh, talking about the, the bride of Christ here, and he says, the, you know, he, he, he talked about this, uh, that uh, the, the job is to keep the bride in line, keep her in step, and don't let her get out of step, right? As a matter of fact, we have, as I've said before, uh, we have never been ordained of God to try to keep in step with the world. Now, I didn't know this, but Brother Jason brought it up at the men's meeting here, and uh, we just had a fantastic men's meeting, and I was really glad to have been there. But I remember, I, I did my years in the Canadian militia, and uh, I was a sergeant major, and, and uh, you know, I, I, I had lots and lots and lots of cadets who marched under me, and, um, and I was a young fellow too, and, and marched. And, and what Jason pointed out to us was that uh, when, you're, when you're marching in line, and... Uh, when you march in a certain step, when you get out of step, it's only a half step to get back in step. When you go left, right, left, right. If you're watching my feet, I'm out of step. Left, right. I'll do it again. Watch. Left, right, left, right, left, right. I'm out of step. 
All right. Brother Bram saw the bride. She was out of step. It's only a half step to get you back in step. Left, right, left, right, left, right, left, right. You got to watch my feet. You're watching me. So if I start, and I know the pulpit's there. Would you help me, David? We'll, we could move that. If I start off left, right, and get off in, in a half step, left, I'm back in step again. And it's not a big deal. It's only a small adjustment to get back in step many times. And if that's true, let me tell you, if there's some way or another that we are out of step, we need to hurriedly and quickly get back in step again and line up with God's Word. And that's what Brother Branham was told to do when he was looking at that bride going off the horizon, going down in the tribulation, and another uh, godly bride that was coming behind her. But uh, she had her eye on this other worldly bride because it was an amazing thing. And she gets out of step, and Brother Branham screams out to her, well, hey, uh, we've never been ordained of God to get in step with the world and try to line up with them and do things like them. That's not our job. That's not our calling. And it's not my calling to try to see how close we can get to the world. My job is to make sure that we get in step with God and stay in step with God. Because the devil would like to do anything he possibly could to get us out of step with God. And the way people get out of step is they remove the ancient landmarks or they move the word to where they want it to be. You say, well, it's too narrow. Okay, so I'm going to broaden it out here. Uh, Brother Barry, you don't understand my case. i got to fit through here and i got an exception here. And people want to move the landmarks all the time. God, let me tell you something. God does not like you to move his landmarks. God is a pretty good surveyor, and he knows exactly where the landmarks are supposed to be, so leave them alone and navigate between them instead of trying to move them on your own. Remember what ancient landmarks are. They are forever, ever, everlasting, evermore, always everlasting, indefinite, and unending. I mean, that's pretty clear, I think. So it's a serious thing when we go to choose a wife and a man for the vows. Here is until death we part. And remember, we started with vows because that's where relationships come to. They come to a place of making a commitment. And we don't want to get to that commitment and then start thinking about, well, should I, what should I be looking for? I'm telling you what we should be looking for. And that's how we should keep it. A man in his right mind planning a future, he should choose that wife very carefully. Say it with me, very carefully. And a woman accepting the choice of a husband should be real careful. Say it with me, real careful. And what she's uh, careful of what she's doing, especially in these days. Especially in these days. You know why? Because young people today can communicate real slick on social media. I mean, that's not there, but that is one of the reasons why. So remember now, vows are important to God. God remembers your vows. He doesn't let you forget your vows. Uh, you can't repent of your vows. You can't undo vows. Vows are vows. And you're better off not making a vow than to make a vow and try to get out of it. We talked about the three guiding principles, and this is where we're going tonight. We never marry an unbeliever, number one. We reject any kind of physical contact prior to when we get engaged and then uh, get married. We don't sit together in church and just, you know... I really like him and she really likes me, so we're going to sit together in church. Hey, you might as well stay home and watch the service uh, archive it later on, because if you're sitting next to a girl, if a young guy sits next to a girl in church, and every now and then they're occasionally touching, you know what? If, you were, if they gave you an honest answer what you thought of the service, they'd say, it was one of the best services I was ever in. Man, it was really great. You know, I, I just, you know what I'm saying. There is a physical dynamic to this that is really, really true in the Bible. 
that uh, there's a, 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 a physiological reason why a boy and a girl should not touch. And, uh, you know, when they get engaged, they can uh, sit together in church. I think that's fine. Um, you know, I, I, I've been approached by different pastors before, and we've talked about this whole idea of doing premarital counseling before they get engaged. And that makes a lot of sense. Because once you're engaged, you don't want to start wading into this and saying, now, do you really want to marry him? Hey, too late, buddy. I mean, I got a ring. But if you come to the pastor prior to asking for her hand in marriage, she's going to be saying, after this session is over, are you going to ask me? After this session is over, are you going to ask me? After this session is over, are you going to ask me? Right? Right. All the girls are, yeah, yes. We haven't figured that out yet. But this is what we want to talk about tonight. Are you ready? And then Brother Branham said that, I mean, this is, this is super abundantly clear. That no believer should never, never marry an unbeliever under no circumstances. All right, so if, if that's the case then, we have to deal with this subject of are you ready on the basis of that we're dealing with two believers. Is that all right? Not a, not a, not a, somebody who believes the message and, and a denominational person. And I have, I, I don't mean that critically towards a denominational person. They might be very, very nice people altogether. But that's still outside of the boundary that God establishes for marriage. Okay? I'm not saying they're bad or evil people. But it's still outside the boundary. Might be a great coworker. Might be a real handsome guy. Might, whatever. But there's still boundary markers that are there. So then, Let's, us, let's make the assumption now from this point forward that we're talking about two believers who believe the message of the hour. And when I say the message of the hour, that God sent a prophet, right? And we believe, we believe that God sent a prophet. Somebody, come on now, help me out here. Help me out here, people. And that we believe that that prophet gave us a message. And thank God for the message. We believe the message of the hour. And the message of the hour was sent to prepare us to bring us into glory. Right? This is not, this is not Baptist doctrine made over. It's not Pentecostal doctrine made over. This is the truth of the Word of God. This is Christ revealed according to Revelation 10, 7, Malachi 4, Matthew 24 and 25. All of those great mysteries that were to be revealed in the last day, we believe we, we are the ones that God has revealed them to. And we are a part of that revelation ourselves. That's not denominational stuff, right? So now that's who I'm talking to. So boys, you have to ask yourself a question. Are you ready to support a wife? Have you just majored in, uh, you know, video games? And have you finished schooling? Are you in a lot of debt? And that's telling a lot about who you are just in those first couple of questions there. Are you mature enough to handle the responsibility of having children? Because the moment you get married, the, the, the possibility of children exists. It looms on the horizon, Right? So, therefore, uh, you have to make a decision about whether, uh, you know, we're looking at a girl, whether, whether you and her are both mature enough to handle a responsibility. And, and if they're not responsible enough to handle our own affairs, how are they going to handle the affairs of a house? And, uh, you know, is a, is a young man able to lead a woman and a child spiritually? And can you say, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord? It, it may not be forever that I know the plan of God for my life, but I know right now where I'm supposed to be. I know right now where God has placed me, and I know who my pastor is, and I pay tithes, and I, I take communion, foot washing, and I, I'm a part of the cause, I'm a part of a body, and I know that's where God would have me now. Guys, you need to know that, but girls, you need to see that in a guy. 
that this guy has direction, even if it's just for the present, that he's got direction and he has a confidence about where God has placed him. And he can say, as for me and my house will serve the Lord. And what I pursue first and foremost is Christ. Everything else is added on. You seek first the kingdom of God and then all the other things are added on to that, right? But when we make God a priority, God honors that. And you want to you wanna marry a guy that makes Christ, Jesus Christ, and his word the priority in his life. Whether he gets you or whether he doesn't. Whether he gets married or whether he doesn't. He's just got to be a guy that has a priority that Jesus Christ is his personal savior. And I love him and live for him all the days of my life. It's worth living for and it's worth dying for. That's the kind of attitude that guys got to have. Rather than just shake their fist at God in private and say, why aren't I married yet? I'm, <laughs> I'm 16. Rather than do that, I would say to a guy, how can I, how can I focus my talents and gifts that God's given me into a career path and a, and a way of working? Doesn't have to be college. I need to be clear. It doesn't have to be college. It doesn't have to be a four-year degree. And let me tell you, no matter how many four-year-old, four-year degree people we have here, someone still needs to fix your air conditioning. Right? Somebody still needs to fix your car. And you don't always need a four-year degree, right, to fix, fix a car. You gotta be trained. You gotta have training. But, you know, it doesn't, uh, I'm accused, uh, uh, <clears throat> praise God. Good to be in church on Wednesday night, isn't it? I'll tell you what. I think that uh, it, it isn't about intellectualism at all. It is about you finding the will of God. That's what's important. It's about a guy sitting down and asking the right questions right now before he's even graduated from high school. And if you don't know what questions to ask, you ask me and I'll tell you what to ask. And then I'll tell you where you find the answers. Okay, I've done this all my life. I, I've dealt, we dealt with young people. We have uh, other resources that we're going to get. We talked about this at the men's meeting. Uh, there are lots of resources out there that guys can use to be able to channel their uh, affections and their talents and gifts and so forth. And let me tell you, if you don't want to use them, it's not God's fault. God's placing them in front of you. Uh, that's what you have need of. I wish I had uh, the resources that you guys have when I was back fumbling around trying to figure out what I needed to do. And to have, you know, uh, uh, pastors and ministers and lay people who are professionals and know how to help uh, people be guided in the, in the field of careers. Because you know what? You're going to probably, you're going to come to a place where, let's just say, uh, who's the oldest among you here? Does it really matter? Emmanuel? Oh, that's a long shot. Let's just say that uh, Nathan over here gets married. Uh, well, well I, <laughs> you, what a guy. Let's just say that uh, any one of these uh, suave, charismatic, debonair, independently wealthy, uh, handsome young men get married on the front row here and eventually find a wife, and then she all of a sudden she's expecting. Let's just say that. Now we've got to make a decision, right? If they're up to their eyeballs in debt, uh, there are some decisions that are going to be made for them. She's going to have to work till the bitter end. <laughs> I don't use those terms loosely. And then after after... After we have a child, is she going to go back to work? Uh, you know, I mean, those and those. Let me tell you something, guys. Those are not easy decisions. Those are not easy things to do. So you say, "Wow, I wish I had. I wish I had. You know, a little. I was on a little higher pay grade. I wish I made a little bit more money." 
Hello? The time to think about that is right now. So instead of goofing off, and I'm not saying it to you guys, even though I'm looking at all five of you right here, but instead of goofing off, you need to think about, does what I do in this history test tomorrow make a difference up the road? I'm telling you, yes, it does. It absolutely does. Because it, it, it shows some, it brings out something in you, and then it, it helps to accumulate up the road, and you become, uh, you know, more studious and more focused as you get on up the road there. And what you want to do is be able to earn about a salary and a half uh, in order to, you know, have a choice when, when you have children. So your wife can stay home and look after your children. Not always possible, I understand that. Not always possible, but there are some brothers in here who are thankful that they, you know, went that extra mile and, you know, got that, uh, are in a place where that's a little more possible to do. Okay? So I'm not just focusing on you five, but you understand what I'm saying? I would think if a girl was looking for a guy, she'd want to have a, marry a guy who is thinking about that. He may not be able to accomplish it now, right? If you're mowing lawns now. Hey, I remember with Steve, I remember uh, taking Steve in the car and hooking up my mower so he could go mow lawns and make money with my mower. But he was too young to drive. But he, he knew he knew that he, he could mow a lawn and he could get out there and get customers, and he did. And, you know, made money when he was just a little, little fellow. And did a great job, but he was industrious that way. And there are resources that are there, and you've got to start thinking about that and putting talents and gifts to use because God's given all of you talents and gifts. And that's, that, I mean, that's part of a much bigger conversation, but it's a really important conversation. Because if you don't want to have it and just do this all day long, uh, that's another conversation. Can I go a little further? Girls are meant to be, by nature, not by the world standard, girls are meant to be counterculturally not initiators, but responders. The culture doesn't go for this. Culture would think I'm crazy. But I don't care what the culture thinks about this. The Bible says that we learn from the aged woman. And that we have a spiritual life. We don't just have a black belt in MasterCard. And we have uh, a spiritual life. We have something more than just clothes and hair and hairstyles. That's all important. But when I asked Brother Branham's daughter what Brother Branham said to them, he said, the boy that you associate with should be a real Christian, number one. And number two, he should live a clean life. If he doesn't live a clean life, he's going to want to touch you. Right away, right? He's going to want to, he's going to want, want to get closer than he's allowed at that particular point. That's one of the first ways it's going to manifest. And so Brother Ram's advice to his own girls was this, that a boy should be a real Christian and live a clean life. How do we know a boy's a real Christian? Well, number one, he, he does not sleep through church. He has a Bible. He knows who Brother Branham is. And he's there for more than just a restaurant after church. He's there for more than just the dinner at the youth event. He's got a spiritual life. And so girls then need to look at this, and they need to, uh, they need to uh, you know, be very careful. And uh, you say, well, Brother Barry, uh, you know, there's a lack of good boys. Yes, I will tell you this. There is, <clears throat> there is not, many girl, not many guys saying, you know, there's a real lack of good girls. In my experience, and I, I, this is going to be our 30th year, I think, at the youth retreat. 
But a lot of girls will say, when we have girl sessions, a lot of girls say, there's a lack of really good guys because guys just want to play sports or they want to play Xbox or something else and they're into this and they're into that. And uh, uh, I don't know the names of any video games, but I wish I did now because it would sound like I'm plugged in and in tune with all the young people of the day, but I'm not. <laughs> so anyway, I'll say this, that uh, a lot of the guys are not saying that, you know, there's just a shortage of girls. There are, I think there are a lot of good girls. I think we have some good girls here in our assembly. I'm not saying this to you guys here, but I'm just saying that there are, there are, we have good girls. And I appreciate the good girls and the standards they hold and uh, everything else. And you know what? That's, that's, uh, it's important for girls to hear and apply, just like it's important for guys to hear and apply. Are we okay? Everybody all right? And for parents to encourage that and grandparents to encourage that and so forth and say be real selective because there's no going back when you start down this road. There's no going back. Every one of us came out of a family or a relationship at some point. So I thought right now, at the end of the series, it'd be nice to define what courtship actually is. And I don't care really what you call it. It is simply the season where uh, you do an exploration of, of another person's life, personality, faults and desires, goals and families that builds toward an engagement and then marriage. It is important because of the value that God places on the engagement or the vow and uh, God made it so that he doesn't want you to enter into it lightly and then regress. He doesn't want you to come back, try to come back out of it. That's, that's certainly not what we want to do. So therefore, uh, there are a couple of things here that uh, we could uh, pass along. And uh, some of this is, is old hat, but I, I want to put it on here. Courtship is about seeking a mate for marriage. One man, one woman for life. That's the easiest way to say it. And it develops an honorable and respectful treatment of that person being courted. And those words are important, honorable and respectful treatment of the person. I've said to you girls before, and I'll say it again, that if some dude does not treat you respectfully and honorably, you have the right to call your father first. Don't call your brothers uh, second because they'll get violent. But you call me. And I'll be glad if, if some guy wants to put his arm around you inappropriately or whatever else, you should call your father first. But then you can call me. And I'll be glad to get involved. I really will. You have to be able to back away from any relationship or interaction with a boy or a girl because if that's not your wife or husband, it is definitely someone else's. And you don't want to have to repent of anything. And you don't want to have to tell your future husband anything, what you did in in going too far. You certainly don't want to do that. So that's why we want to keep it honorable and respectful because... Things happen. The goal is to become ready or mature enough to enter into a commitment if it shows to be God's will. So your goal is to be ready. Your goal is not to be a hunter. Your goal is to be ready. Your goal is not to spend time on every Christian website trying to find an appropriate mate because some uh, algorithm tells you how and you know, does the work for you. That's not your job. That's not in your job description. Your job description is to wait on God. Your job description is to seek First, the kingdom of heaven. And be ready. And grow in God's grace. In order to uh, come to a place where you can enter into a commitment if that's God's will. So here are some of the steps. Number one, we start with a clean slate. Because a lot of kids coming out of the world today are pretty messed up. They've been taught by TV. They've been taught by social media. They've been taught by everybody around them that anything you want to do is okay. Right? That there are no, really no boundaries now. There are no, there are no markers anywhere. There's no ancient landmarks at all. 
So now what you have to do if you've come out of that situation or you've been involved in something that's been inappropriate, now you need to let the Word shape your thinking and repent of any mistakes. And just say, Lord, I want to do this right. I want to get it right because it is the Word and I don't want to make a mistake here. And I don't care what anybody else does. I just want to do it right. And that should be the determination of every young heart, every single heart. Uh, you know, to say, Lord, reshape my thinking here. If my thinking has been too twisted by music and by friends and by books and by all the other media out there, Lord, shape my mind correctly and help me think right about this subject. And help me not to think too much about it. Because you can fantasize way too much about this subject and it really just wastes your time. You want to get people on your side. Whenever you start to enter into that era of life, you want to get people on your side, like parents and elders and ministers, ministers' wives, who can supply some wisdom and some accountability and help you stay the, uh, you know, hold the line and get things right. This is a really uh, important thing, I think, because we all need to have advice. Uh, you want to be sure, though, that you tell the right person, right? If you want to share, well, you know, like if you're a guy and you want to share uh, something of Noah... <laughs> If Noah, you know, in 10 or 15 years, finds a girl and, you know, he goes over to somebody's house on a Monday night and he's mowing their lawn for them and, you know, he says, hey, I just wanted to tell you this now. Don't tell anybody else, which is a ticket to tell everybody else, right? But if he says, look, I just I got this girl in my heart. All of a sudden now, if that gets spread around the church, people are saying, well, I wonder what colors they're going to have. I wonder how we're going to decorate the church. I know a good place we can have it that has a center aisle. And you know, all of a sudden, phew, it takes off. You want to be careful who you tell. Sadly enough, you want to be careful who you tell. Because you know what? There are some people who love a wedding. doesn't matter who gets married. <laughs> and it doesn't matter whether it's the will of God or not. They just love a wedding. People love to go to a wedding. So you want to get people on your side that you trust that have wisdom so they can impart wisdom and they can hold you accountable as well to God's standards. Number three, you want to establish clear boundaries. This is what you need to do before you get in any relationship. You guys and girls need to be thinking about this. You need to establish clear boundaries. I'm not going to let this happen. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to, uh, you know, just be carried along by this. Now, that's really easy to say. It's a whole lot more difficult to do when you get in the situation and all your nerve endings are all on fire. It is really easy for me to say this, but it's a different thing when you get into the, into the moment and, you know, all of a sudden now everything feels different and you have no clue what Brother Barry said about this. But it's really good for you to go through the exercise of establishing boundaries and know your weaknesses and limitations and what constitutes a wrong setting and how to find appropriate activities and, uh, you know, the amount of time to spend together and, you know, the amount of time to communicate together. Because like I said before, we're made like a car without brakes. Once things get going, we don't stop too easily. In the process, number four, you want to strengthen the inner man. So let's take Joseph, for instance, as an example back there. He's in a situation where, as a slave, he's in Potiphar's house. Sister Potiphar looks at Joseph and says, whoa, all-American boy. And he's, you know, a tanned, middle, Middle Eastern kind of a guy and, He's labored all of his life, and he's in, he's in the prime of life. You understand what I'm saying? He's, a, he's in the prime of life. And she's much older than him, and, and Brother Potiphar is quite much older than, than, than him. And, and she's looking at Joseph day after day. That's what the, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And so when Joseph gets into this spot where Sister Potiphar throws herself at Joseph, guess what she does? 
She, he uses his feet for discernment and gets out of there. Come on, somebody say amen. He doesn't stick around and try to reason with that because the people who try to stick around and reason with lust are called... Come on, you folks have been at the retreat. People who hang around and try to barter with lust are called... 30 years down the tube. Peter? Oh, come on. Victims. People who try to hang around, try to reason with lust are called victims. Because you're not going to win. You're not going to play that game and win. And Joseph knew he couldn't sit around and talk to Sister Potiphar and say, Now, Sister, if, if you don't mind, why don't you sit there and I'll sit here. And let's just talk about this. He didn't do that. He got up and ran. And it cost him another whole 13 years in the jail. But you know what? He stayed in the will of God. Joseph would never have been able to do that had he not strengthened the inner man before he got to that place. You can't start organizing a Bible study when you're in the grip of Sister Potiphar trying to figure out what to do. Am I being clear enough? Number five, you want to seek opportunities to serve. And I think this is a great thing and it's something that I labor over a lot because I want to, uh, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually working on things where we can seek opportunities to serve and focus on other things just in your life. And, you know, stay lying on your bed and looking at your phone all day. I'm sorry, that's just not a real healthy thing. It's just not a real healthy thing for kids to be locked away with the internet in the room and a phone, uh, you know, and access to everything and everybody and what, everybody, what all of their peers are saying and thinking and what they're liking and not liking and what they're linking you to and all the rest. It's just not a healthy thing to stay that way. I'm sorry, it's just not. So you need to, you need to be saying, Lord, you put me on earth for some other reason besides Facebook. So if you don't mind, uh, can you show up and give me some guidance here and what I should be focusing on? And it might be earning money. It might be chopping your neighbor's firewood. It might be cutting your neighbor's lawn. It might be babysitting your neighbor's child, whatever else. But there are things that we can be doing because we're single and we have energy and we have, uh, you know, the ability to, uh, to help others. And you seek, you know, uh, you seek opportunities to, to serve. I want to take, uh, eventually I would like to take all of you overseas with me, but those are not, uh, you know, long extended trips, but I still would like to do it because I think it changes your perspective. Number six, you ask the Holy Spirit to be your Eliezer. So, Lord, don't let me be the kind of person who's known for chasing every girl or guy in the country here. But, Lord, I want you to go before me. Go before me. And even when uh, Rebecca never knew it, there was an Eliezer on the way. She never knew it, but there was an Eliezer on the way. I don't doubt that she didn't pray that somehow or another she'd find her mate soon enough. But she didn't realize it. But God was already doing something. Eliezer was on the way. Can you say amen? God knew, God knew where she was. And God knew exactly what well she'd come to and all the rest of it. And And... You, you want to ask the Holy Spirit to be your Eliezer and, and then reveal his will in his season. I remember, I told you this before, but I remember, uh, you know, being down at the Louisiana camp and I talked about uh, this subject and, you know, the, the kids came up to me and, and they asked me, said, how did you know? How did you know Sister Becky was the one? How did you know? And I remember, you know, years back, asking when I was single and asking my brothers, before Sister Becky ever came in the picture, and I asked my brothers, Bob and Mark, we were sitting down one time talking, and that's all we ever do. And I asked them, I said, how did you know? And they said, oh, we just knew. I said, sorry, it's not, not a good enough answer. There's got to be more to it than that. How did you know? I just knew. How did you just know? I just knew. Leave me alone. I just knew. I don't have any other explanation. I just knew that this was the will of God. I knew this was my wife, and it worked out. Still together? 
We have grandchildren. That's the main thing. So don't ask me any other questions. That's all. That's what they said to me. We knew. So when I was down in Louisiana camp and these kids came up to me, I was talking about, I was talking about this subject at Louisiana camp, and um, they came up to me after. I said, Brother Barry, how did you know? How did you know Sister Becky was the one? And I was on my way somewhere, and I just said, I, I just knew. And I stopped for a minute. I said, don't ask me anything else. No, no I know. I told I said, I, somehow or another, there's just a, a click or a connection with, with the will of God. And I, I didn't have to try to love her. I didn't have to work at loving her. I didn't have to press or anything else. I mean, uh, I still do. It's only increased over the years. You go through seasons of life, right? You go through changes. You go through all kinds of things. But I'll tell you what, like I said before, and I'll say it again, uh, I just can't imagine, you know, eternity without her. I mean, I, that's, not, that's not in the budget. So you don't enter into a vow unless you're absolutely certain it is the will of God. And when it comes to that place, these are all of the things you want to go back and look in the archives and start looking up what I said. Until then, number seven, you want to guard your heart. Before you make any commitment, you'd be content with friendships. Go in packs. Be like wolves. Wolves travel in packs. We have coyotes up our way. We have big coyote, big problem with coyotes up our way. We have mountain lions and we have coyotes. And um, uh, we, we have coyotes that were taking out sheep and all kinds of animal critters, you know. And so one time, I remember uh, the game warden came along, and um, I mean, we'd hear them out there. And I mean, there's no sound like it when you're home alone, and all of a sudden, Aah! and you feel like you're just about an inch away from death. I mean, there's really nothing like it. So one night, here we are out in our, out in our cul-de-sac, and the game warden's out there, and he's got his wagon, and he's got this, uh, you remember? Got this wolf, or this coyote, hung upside down. He's dead as, as four o'clock, and he's just all paws up. And, he, and we went out and took a look, and uh, he said, you won't have any problem with your coyotes anymore. And we said, really? And he said, nope. He said, this is the alpha right? It's the male. And they said, they do everything that he determines. Whatever he, they hunt, wherever they go, whatever they do, it's all determined by this guy. And he said, when we take this guy out, these people don't know what to do. They just wander aimlessly and they'll all break up and go to different places and eventually join another pack down the road. And for years and years and years and years and years, we never had any problems with coyotes. Because he watched them with his light, and he watched the, the pack and followed them a little bit, and then took out the lead one, and it was, it was all over. <clears throat> Let me tell you something. For young people, the safest thing you can do is travel in a pack, travel in a herd, travel in a school, and be together with, with a group of young people, and make friends with one another, and be content with the friendships that you make. Because these are people that you grow up with and have gone through things with. And in doing that, Proverbs 4.23, Solomon tells us to keep thy heart with all diligence. You are the gatekeeper of your heart. Because out of it are the issues of life. And you can become very vulnerable at different points of your life when you don't keep your heart. And I will tell you, if you don't keep your heart and invite the Holy Spirit to watch over your heart, someone else is right there to deposit something in your heart that you don't want. And that's, very, that's a very powerful thing. 
So you have to keep your heart. You want to keep your heart pure, and you want to keep your heart open for whatever God will put in there, whatever God will lead you to do. David said, I, the, the only thing that goes in the heart, David said, I've hid thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And so that's a really good practice for young people uh, to do until they come to that place. All right, so let's keep those friendships, though, out of the romantic zone. Here we go. Number one, we're going to communicate from the start that this association must be friendship only and make a friend a friend of the family. We make a friend a friend of the family. It's really hard for a boy and a girl to pair off and stay friends. Really hard to do that. So therefore, we had to be careful about this word friend because social media has defined, redefined uh, that phrase. So we, we want to make a friend a friend of the family or a friend a friend of the group. Here's my group. Here's my pack. Here's my den. Here's my family. And avoid spending too much time alone. And event, avoid spending certain to, uh, topics like long-term plans for the future and sharing hopes and dreams, create a sense of intimacy, and suddenly there, there comes this phrase, our future. Scientifically, I can tell you, if we wanted to take the time, scientifically I can tell you that when a girl uh, you know, takes the guy's jean jacket and wears it, or his hoodie and wears it, there's something in the olfactory sense that happens in a girl. Huh, some of you are laughing and smile and say, Brother Brad, I can't believe you went there. Believe me, don't do it. Don't do it. Number four, you want to avoid counseling that breeds dependency. I'm a counselor as part of my job, and I will tell you that part of the process of counseling in certain situations is to create a dependency for that person to lean on you so they're not leaning on the wrong person or the wrong thing. And when they wean themselves off the wrong thing and they have a dependency on you, then you learn to wean that person off of your own self and they stand independently and that's the goal. This is a very tricky thing, but I will tell you what. There are some young people who feel like they can get into a situation. This becomes a draw. This becomes something that's attractive to people because they can go to this person with their problems and direct them uh, you know, in, in their own way. And they can say all kinds of things in a, in a semi-counseling situation here. You're better off, when it comes to that, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, uh, you're better off directing them to some uh, authority to get uh, the right kind of counsel. Girls had to watch the way they dress. I know, uh, you know, this is in a sense a, uh, a thing that the girls, if, if they could, they would, without anyone seeing them, they would roll their eyes. I know that. But it greatly affects whether uh, guys view you as a friend or an object. And modesty matters. Modesty is a part of God's word. And holiness is still in, in, uh, very much in the, will, in the center of God's will. And if another person begins to communicate romantic more than friends' feelings, you should direct them somewhere else where I think Pentecost failed. Now, it's not wrong. If, if, if this is the will of God and a boy and a girl, you know, they're old enough, mature enough, they pass all the markers and so forth. And they're, you know, I mean, it's the right, it's the right season, it's the right thing, and they, they, you know, it's perfectly appropriate for them to do that, then it's okay for them to progress with this. You know, I mean, that, that's okay. I did, and I'm glad I did. So it's not all, you know, just passing tests along the way. I mean, there are, there's a maturity that goes with this, and when a boy and a girl come to a place where it's appropriate, they should proceed. Okay, just another few minutes. Brother Branham says, <clears throat> God is love, and he that loveth is of God. 
divine love, not affectionate love. And here's where, again, he defines these two. And he talks about, you can read the quote fully later, but he talks about filial love and agapo love. And he simply says that filial love, he says, if a man accosted your wife or said things about your wife, he said, you would, you would get physical with that man. You would, you would react to that. But he said agapo love is a different kind of love because you'd pray for his lost soul. So he's just explaining that there's two different kinds of love here at work. And he said, that's the difference. That's the difference. But he said, it ain't some kind of an affectional, worked-up mental condition. If it's real love, and it's real agapo love, it's God first, he said, then that's not just an affectional, worked-up mental thing. It's absolutely the genuine Holy Spirit of God that binds our hearts together in Christian fellowship and love. So real love takes its expression in fulfilling the will of God and abiding by the word of God. And it's not just a bunch of emotional stuff. It's, it's, it's you know, a, a heart that loves, obedient, loves to obey and loves to do things that are just right. Because you want to keep the Holy Spirit on your side. This is the area of life, especially, that you want to keep the Holy Spirit on your team. You want to have him uh, always be there and not grieve by the things you do or say. Things that are not friendship would be being alone often together. And you can be alone often together on your phone too, right? And saying, I love you, and other intimate comments. I think you should say, I love you, when you're right up snug against a ring in your pocket. That's just me. But I'm Canadian. But you know what Brother Branham said about Canadians? He liked Canadians because they were conservative. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But, you know, uh, when, when a guy texts a girl, the girl texts back, and then he texts the third text, okay, now he's got a right to say, I love you. No, you don't. Because you're hybridizing this, the, the whole meaning of, of the phrase. And it should be reserved for something much more serious and further down the road. Holding hands, hugging, and kissing, as we talked about, uh, would be inappropriate. Somebody say Amen. And looking with one, this is Paul LaFontaine's line, looking with wanton eyes at each other and maybe even drooling. It's out. Okay? So the main thing is that your relationship with God has to come first. That's got to come first. Now watch what's said here. If it doesn't, then it's all do's and don'ts. If your relationship with God is not right, everything everybody else says is going to be oppressive. It's going to be like nails on a chalkboard to you. Because you're standing there looking at what everybody else in the world is doing. It's going to be, it's going to be do's and don'ts to you unless your relationship with God is right. If you're right in your relationship with God, even if it, even if it's something that's tough to hear, you're going to go back in the Word and try to find out if it's there. And if it's there, something deep down is going to respond with an amen. That's a sign that you've got the Holy Ghost, right? My relationship with Him is not merely one of my relationships. It is the relationship by which I understand and navigate through every other relationship. i got to say that again. My relationship with Him is not merely one of my relationships. It's not a Wednesday-Sunday thing. It is that which uh, by which I understand and navigate and live in every other relationship and every other area of my life. It affects everything. It affects my finances. It affects my health. It affects my activities. It affects my time. It affects my job. It affects my thinking. It affects my everything I spend time in my mind on. It regulates 
all others. If this one is correct and healthy, it enables me to be the right kind of a brother, father, husband, and friend. It enables me to be the right kind of mother, uh, sister, uh, wife, friend, aunt, and so forth. It enables me to be that because my relationship with him is right. Even if you don't know anything about being a mother or a father, if your relationship with God is right, somehow or another, three is better than two, right? Two is better than one. Three is better than two, as we read. And you know what? Uh, we didn't have a clue about how to raise children or how to, you know, develop a family and what kind of standards to put in place. We didn't have a clue. Nobody ever taught like this uh, where I ever was. And that's no fault against them. This is time and a season for everything. But I never knew anything about that. But you know what? If you have God, you got it all. Because eventually he's going to get you there and he'll help you through and you'll learn. So here's what Brother Bram says. He says, Rebecca was a virgin, a beautiful Rebecca that married the righteous seed of God's promise, Isaac. That they were two consecrated, spirit-filled believers on God, foreordained to the very marriage that they united together by. God foreknew it. Why do we believe that God can foreknow everything about you, including your eternal destiny? The time you come here on the earth, the time, who your parents are, what church you're going to go to, what meetings you're going to attend, right? What problems you're going to overcome. God knows all of it. And then when it comes to marriage, you say, all right, no, okay, no, no, I'm going to do this. Because I don't think God knows. Rebecca and Isaac were two consecrated, spirit-filled believers on God, foreordained to the very marriage that they united together by God foreknew it. I, to me, that's a comforting thing. If God foreknows it, you know what? Uh, he's in control. He's got this. He's got this. Say, say this with me. He's got this. God's got this. And that's the beautiful thing about serving Christ is that you don't have to have it. You don't have to take that upon yourself. He's got this. And he's, he's your comforter. He's your leader and he's your guide. And he's the one that's able to you know, bring you to the right place and help check you when you're making wrong decisions, right? He's all of that. And he should be all of that. And he is all of that. We should be thankful for that. Let's stand to our feet. Last statement here. Musicians will come, if you will. Watch the statement here. Make the valley full of ditches, 1952. Here's Brother Brandon way back in 1952. Remember now, he's at a transition point because the world is changing everything in relation to marriage and holiness and standards and everything. They're moving. They're taking markers and moving them all over the place. I'll tell you something about God's ancient landmarks. You know what they're like? You know those... uh, balloons that uh, the kids have with the weighted bottoms and they hit it and it comes right back up again in the same place? You know what I'm talking about? God's Word's kind of like that, right? You can smack at it all you want. And for a moment, it'll seem like, ah, I've really you know, put that in its place. And then you turn around, it's right there. Don't, don't think that God's going to acquiesce to your desire to move His markers. It's not. Halfway down. Don't you get married unless you're, equal, unequally, you're equally yoked together with believers to keep trouble down. And when God made men and women in the beginning, he made their spirits then. There's someone for you. Go get them. Not what he says. There's someone there for you. Just wait. Easier said than done. Easier said than done. But you know what? With God, nothing's impossible. And that's the great thing. That's a great thing.
So I'm done. I, I, I hope there's no ambiguity. I hope there's no fog. I hope there's no gray areas here. I just wanted to make this, make this clear for you. You say, Brother Barry, you know, you're, you're, hey, listen, you know what? In, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter, matter a great deal what I say. It really doesn't matter a great deal what I say. What matters is what this says. And my job is to tell you what it says and help you understand it. That's, that's my job. In my life, Lord, be glorified, be glorified in my life, Lord, be glorified today.
sing it out now. I shall so thankful that we don't have to guess and wonder what pleases you when it comes to this area of life. The most important decisions of life, Lord, you've given us lots of insight, lots of markers. You've stated your mind. You've stated your heart. Lord, when it comes to sexual sin, you said that this should not even be named once among us as becoming saints. Lord, in order for that to happen, we need to make sure that we understand where those boundary lines are. We don't want to live in a legalistic way in relation to this, Lord, but we just want to live in a way that pleases you. So, Lord, I pray that you would settle this matter in the heart of every young person who's here, Lord. Father, may we realize that as married couples, Lord, we are the ambassadors of marriage to our children, our other church members. Father, we want to we want to do it right. We want to say it right. We want to live it right. We live in such a way, Lord, that not only does it please you, but it also is an example to others who are following. Help us, Lord, to be that and to do that. But, Lord, we'd never be able to do it without you. We'd never be able to stand solid in this very shaky world without your help. We'll never achieve shalom in the home without your presence among us. So, Lord, have your way now, we pray. Have your way, Lord, in a very strong way in every heart. Lord, we don't want the devil to get a foothold anywhere. And so we thank you, Lord, for your word. Because it's like a sword. It helps us. 
And we're amazed that you love us. But you do. And we're thankful. Bless the balance of our week, Lord, I pray, and all we set our hearts to do. Father, have your way, we pray. Bless those who are sick. Minister to those who are mourning, we pray. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen. And all God's people said, Amen. I'm amazed that you love me. I'm amazed that you care. Let's sing that tonight as you go, and may God bless you. I hope this has been a help in some way. I'm amazed that you love me. I'm amazed how you care. Through your precious blood, I found pardon. Sunday schools, uh, Sunday morning, 10:15, and we're not going to have our communion service on this Sunday. We moved it down just a couple of weeks here for a couple of different reasons, and so just keep that in mind, okay? Singing as you go tonight, God bless you. I'm amazed that you love me, and I'm amazed how. I found pardon And my sins are washed Yes, they're all washed away Are washed away I give my mind